0: It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, retired hamster farmer and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor.
1: The arguments seem to be never-ending, and the theories abound, and the conversation never seems to stop. But are there any solutions to the question of what should happen with early recruiting and signing days and when an athlete actually commits to play for a college, whether that's at a Division III school or whether it's at a D2, NAIA, or certainly at a Division I And that's what we're going to talk about today because we have a guest on who is a, uh, I'll say, a frequent visitor to the podcast and will be in the future. He is, I think, one of the most interesting thinkers in the sport. And what we're going to talk about today is basically his idea for a solution to the issue of college recruiting. And some of the complaints that I hear all the time from college coaches uh, throughout the country throughout levels. And it's been going on for the last 13 years since we've been working closely with with college athletics. And that is the complaint or the observation of the problem of what to do with recruiting. I think at some level, most college coaches agree that somewhere within the system, it's broken. Uh, Athletes are being recruited way too early, many would say. Athletes are verbally committing when maybe they shouldn't, some people say, and even after they commit, they will change their mind, decommit, and they're being influenced by parents, by coaches. They're playing one school against the other, and the people that are stuck in the middle are the people that I work with, which are college coaches. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and so, I read with great interest uh, a matter of days ago, a couple of weeks ago here in early 2017, uh, a, a commentary, an article by Michael Cross, and he is the Associate Athletic Director at Penn State University. And he publishes a blog entitled Ultimate insider.com If you uh, need to follow something on a daily basis or on a regular basis, that would be it. It's a fantastic thinker's piece that basically it focuses a lot on the administrative side of college athletics, some of the bigger picture issues in college athletics. He does a lot with budgets and what goes on in college athletics regarding budget cuts and and where college athletics in general is going. And he published a piece not too long ago that focused on the idea of reform. And what are some ideas – for how to make the system better. And I'm not going to to read the article for you. Uh, We're going to go over that in this podcast interview. But if you want to see it, it's at ultimatesportsinsider.com and I encourage you to read it because it goes into a lot of detail. We're going to cover it today, and as we go through it, I just want you to keep in mind and sort of think of things that would be impactful to you and your program or that you've seen things maybe through the process that has hurt your program or you feel is hurting athletes as they go through the recruiting process. And as you, as you read this, ask yourself, would his solutions help or hurt the way things are being done now, as I observe them as a coach, and I would love for you to comment to, uh, to both of us. Uh, his um, uh, Twitter name and handle is at US Insider, and that's Ultimate Sports Insider on Twitter. I am at Dan Tudor on Twitter. I would love a discussion, and there has been actually, one of the reasons we actually did this interview was because when the article was released, and I thought it was a fantastic thinker's piece. Uh, whether you agreed or disagreed, I thought it prompted a discussion, and we put it out on Twitter. I pointed a lot of coaches to it that follow uh, that follow me, and boy, we had some some really interesting feedback. Everything from this is the solution, and this is great, and I support it. Uh, and then at the end of the other end of the spectrum, this would do nothing. In fact, it would hurt the current process. So the, the perspective of coaches was really fascinating to me, and that's why I wanted to have Michael on again to talk about it and to find out what uh, just some more inside detail on his plan and his ideas as it relates to recruiting and reforming the process. And that's really what we wanted to talk to him about in this interview. As I said at the start of the podcast, I don't want to read the entire article to you from Michael Cross, the one we're going to be discussing here in a moment, but I would want to maybe read the first paragraph to kind of get you an idea of where he's coming from. So at Ultimate insider.com the article from Monday, January 23rd, 2017, is titled Transparency Necessary to Fix College Recruiting, and it starts like this. Imagine you are searching for a new home. You visit 10 houses and finally find the right place. You tell the real estate agent, this is the one we're ready to buy. The agent says, great, you'll just have to wait until 18 months from now to sign the paperwork on National House Buying Day. In the meantime, just verbally agree that you'll buy the house and the sellers the sellers will verbally agree that they will sell it to you. You have nothing to worry about and in 18 months, you'll be able to move into your new home how confident would you feel about actually moving into that house under the verbally agreed upon terms? It continues, there are serious problems in college athletics surrounding early recruiting that are finally being recognized. And that's where we pick up the conversation. In fact, I started with Michael Cross with a very simple question as we dove into this complicated topic, and that is, how did he decide it was time to voice an opinion and put pen to paper uh, or fingers to a keyboard and outline his thoughts, which, quite frankly, whether you agree or disagree with him, most coaches, most athletic administrators uh, will complain about the problem. There are very few solutions, very few recommendations that I've read that go into such detail as a proposed fix. So that's where we started. What was it that got him to the point where he finally felt the need to put his thoughts down on paper for the world to see and for coaches, athletic administrators, and the NCAA to consider as a solution to what many describe as a recruiting problem?
0: I think the genesis of this comes from the convergence of a couple factors. One factor has been the ongoing debate nationally, regarding football and the consideration of a uh, signing date or an early signing date uh, in the sport. Uh, The second thing that came about and really prompted this was what I anticipated happening around the football signing date and ultimately did happen, which was a series of, um, you know, staged events with hats and uh, media attention and ego and wackiness and pull this jersey off to pull the next jersey off. Uh, And then the third piece was, uh, I'm actually involved in a uh, a recruiting discussion nationally in the sport of hockey related to a whole host of issues around early recruiting. And that coupled with a lot of NCAA legislation that's slowly making its way through uh, the legislative process around early recruiting issues in other sports, particularly in lacrosse and soccer on the women's side that really prompted me to want to put some thoughts out about the best way or a possible way, I should say, to think of going at this and trying to improve the environment uh, for recruiting. And and that's improving it for everybody. That's improving it for coaches. uh, It's improving it for prospects and their families. uh, And it's really trying to put some sanity back into the system that seems to have run uh, pretty amuck at this point and has been trying the same things for literally decades since I got involved in college athletics and has been unsuccessful in trying to address it
1: okay so the so with that in mind um, you made some observations about uh, about signing day um I, I guess what I'm I'm wondering sunny day in football rather, and it's always a circus. And you know there are television networks now that kind of build their uh, build programming around uh, televising the circus. And and so I guess I'll, I'll throw out the, the, the question of if if this is the way it's always been done. And we still have kids that sign. We still have kids that that make commitments. And it just happens to be on this one day. Um, other than the media circus around it, what is wrong with that? What where, where is the problem? Where where is the thing that that uh, um, that coaches should be concerned about? Uh, administrators and even just people that are fans of the the college athletic system. Where where is the concern? Or where should it be?
0: Sure. So there's a couple things that come to mind. First of all, I don't personally think there's anything inherently wrong with media attention surrounding the announcement of an incoming class in any sport. You know, at the end of the day, uh, our departments and our coaches spend a lot of time trying to generate uh, interest, generate uh, awareness and build programs that have stories behind them. You know we've got fantastic student athletes from around the country who uh, are coming to our campuses and and in uh, many many cases make us better. So telling their stories, telling those stories early, I think is a is a po- or I should say telling those stories is a positive. I think the concern that I have uh, and what prompted to push this this article out there is a couple things. One. Uh, Lots of discussion nationally about the concept of a commitment and what a commitment actually means. And we've seen uh, prospects and coaches uh, take that word and really abuse it uh, either by going back on their word because uh, they've come into a new environment and simply don't feel like they want to recruit an individual anymore or uh, a prospect gets his um, gets bent out of shape because, you know, he received a, a, a note about an event that he wasn't at and thinks, well, geez, this is a school that's really not interested in me rather than uh, presuming the best about the situation and saying, oh, this is just an honest and innocent mistake. I mean, there's a whole host of factors that go into this, some of which are ego driven, some of which are related to the personal opportunities for the prospects, some of which are related to the coach's preferences, relates to playing style, uh, various observations. So there's a whole host of reasons why these things can change. But what happens and really the second piece of this and the important piece is that the commitment uh, has become an environment where people are racing to make the commitments in many cases as quickly as possible. And I'm going to move out of football for this portion of it. But we have sports right now that are committing young children for, it's an accurate description, children right. to right. go and make college decisions and committing them as eighth graders, uh, committing them as seventh graders. You know, the the college basketball definition of a prospect in this day and age is that the prospect age for is seventh grade. Right. So, and at the same time, it's all these things are happening in an environment where we have an abundance of information. We have an information uh, on the Internet, interme- information in the media, some of it which is accurate, some of which is not. And so all of these factors are combining in a way that say, oh, look, I want people want to know about their college opportunities. You know, we'll spend time, you know, f- with our youngest children talking about someday when you go to college, Johnny, or someday when you go to college, Susie. But all of a sudden you become an athlete and we want to stop those conversations and, and put the brakes on them. And then create an artificial date by which we all have to make a decision uh, in a time frame that may not be very good for many or most or all of the prospects that we're trying to get commitments from Uh, you know i referenced in the article that i wrote the situation where cornell uh, admitted a 12 year old to their institution non-athlete but had the academic preparation and ability to go and be a student there you know national story really impressive situation You know, we've got prospects at all different uh, stages of their decision making process and coaches at all different stages of their program development, trying to make decisions around this made up day about when we should let everybody know where we're going to school and, and bind that in writing with all the protections that come to it. And inevitably what happens is that people now go out and rather than being honest brokers, know that there's no penalty in either direction and it's made a farce of the system and it's made a farce of the educational process of what people should really be focusing on when they choose where to go to school, which is not solely the athletic opportunities, but the educational opportunities, the fit between prospect and team prospect and department Mm -hmm. prospect and institution in a way that suggests having done this, you know, and looked at this and, and tried to get our hands around it now for literally decades, and the process gets worse and worse and worse, uh, we're not going to regulate our way to success. Uh, We need to go in the other direction and deregulate it in a way that lets people be accountable for their decisions. And I think that accountability will ultimately uh, put the brakes on because coaches are going to be far less um, likely to give an offer with financial aid and money and all the things that go with that, uh, potentially for five years, if you're at an institution that gives multi uh, right. year agreements, to uh, simply say, oh, yeah, seventh grader, I think you'd be, I'd love to have you on my team uh, five years from now or six years from now. Um, I, I think that will stop very, very quickly and put some sanity back in the system. Um, just so be, you're basically the way coaches think about it.
1: Yeah, you're basically saying that the market would. Self-regulate in a sense,
0: hundred percent, no question about it. I think the market will self-regulate. And,
1: and you mentioned something that uh, that you know for coaches that are listening to this podcast may never have thought about before. They may never have investigated before. And I'm not even sure I could answer the question, but I'm going to throw it over to you and see if you could answer it. With the signing days that we have now, originally, what was the logic behind them? And And why those dates?
0: You know, I wish I could answer that, Dan. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why the dates that are chosen were chosen. I don't know why the what the logic is about picking a date other than I would say that I think some of this happens in the natural course of the recruiting calendar. And so what I mean by that is if you think about uh, let's take the sports of soccer and football, both of which had their signing day uh, this past week those are fall sports so i think the thought process originally would be let the high school seniors go through their their sport go through their season uh they can perform in a way where you know college coach can go or college assistant coach can go and watch them perform in their high school setting figure out if they want to recruit them or not and then once that's all happened um Everybody's got equal information. There's there's a pretty short period of time between the end of that season, let's say in November, early December, and the signing day in February. So that date makes sense for that particular right. sport. I think that's probably pretty logical. Uh basketball, I think you could see the same thing. You know, there's a signing date in uh April after the high school basketball season ends. You know, they ultimately got to the stage where they put an early signing date in there. But Really what what we're talking about here is an evolution. You know, it sounds revolutionary. This sounds radical, but this is an evolution and a reflection of how unbelievably different the recruiting environment is today relative to what happened when this recruiting uh, practice of signing dates and, and when you can talk to people actually started the sophistication. The involvement of of advisors, advisors um, acting as agents and all those other factors combined suggest this really needs to be looked at differently. And the idea that you would be able to prevent the flow of information between parties uh, is absolutely absurd in an era where instant information is available with Twitter, Facebook, rumor, gossip, innuendo, you name it. It's simply not going to happen. Um, and people are going to work really, really hard to educate themselves and will figure out the workaround on any rule that's put in place very quickly. Sure. Um, yeah. And so the self-regulation at the way you describe it, and I think it's a great description, I think is ultimately the solution because the, the responsibility for decision making will go back to the coaching staffs and the coaching staffs are going to have to take a breath and go cool man, I know he's good right now, but, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not feeling this yet. I want to wait until they're a sophomore or wait until they're a, you know, maybe early junior year. And at that point, because of the sophistication, I don't think it's a problem to say somebody should, you know, can sign a binding agreement. You know, if you've got somebody who's, let's take, you know, basketball and is a, Le- a LeBron James level talent and you're, you know, and it's obvious that person is going to be mm-hmm. able to walk onto a college campus at the highest level and compete. And that school wants to commit them at that age. That's great. But that, that will, that will decline very quickly. And for the kid who's that phenom and can sign that agreement as let's say an eighth grader, more power to him. you know, but they okay. shouldn't have to have that at risk because of an injury uh, because of um, a coaching change because of the whim of an institution uh there should be better protection for the family and simultaneously there should be better protection for the coach who goes out and says you know what i think this kid's going to be great you know a uh, young man or young woman would you like to make a commitment to our institution they say yes you get them signed up and all of a sudden they really explode and they go well, i want to go shop my options around well we were here for you at the start yeah. you should be here for us yeah. now right. i think right. That, right. that's a very fair and appropriate way and I think on both sides of the process, people will ultimately take a pause and say, let's see where things develop for both parties in a way that will put a, some brakes on what we're seeing today.
1: So you had, and uh, there's already questions floating around in my mind, but I, w- I want to jump into the actual meat of the article and address sort of the three points that you made. If we were going to look at that as the proposal, then what is that proposal? And and you you write in the article and uh we'll you know we've obviously mentioned it on you know in the introduction as well as uh we'll put it in the show notes if somebody wants to find it and click on it but as you as you lead into these three main points you write in bold it is time for a radically different approach to college recruiting by creating transparency in the strange and unethical world we've created and and it certainly is strange um who I wanted to just have you really comment uh, quickly on the unethical part. Which where do you assign the unethical portion of this? Which which party is is responsible for that?
0: Well, every situation is different. the The ethical aspect of this has to do with how do you approach. Uh, professional workings with people. And what I mean by that simply is that uh, I'd like to think, and, and I'd like to try and act personally as a, in a manner where your word is your bond uh, where all you really need to do to execute and, and come up with a good deal is a handshake. Right. Uh, I realize that's probably a naive notion in this day and age, but I think there are still people in the world who work that way. The challenge that you get is that probably, Less people rather than more operate in that manner and look for rather than, you know, honoring the intent of what they've committed to look for the escape clause and look for the loophole and look for the way to escape. So, you know, I'm going to commit to you, coach. Let's take the family side of the equation. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to keep saying I'm committed to you, but I'm going to have my advisor or my uncle or my high school coach or my AAU coach, go out and continue to shop me around until I find something better. And then I'm gonna have to make that awkward phone call for a few minutes and go and say, well, coach, I decided to go somewhere else. Meanwhile, that coach has put their job uh, at risk uh, by saying, okay, I'm gonna turn down the next point guard or the next goalie or the next uh, quarterback because I've got a commitment from this guy. Now I've got to go out and re you know, recruit somebody or get back in the conversation with somebody, yank that kid out of somebody else's commitment. I mean, this is just happening over and over and over in a circular fashion. So the ethics happen on all sides. Uh, it could be the family, uh, it could be the prospect, it could be the AAU or, or youth coach, uh, and it can be the collegiate coach, no question about it. New coach comes in uh, or finds a kid that they'd like to get more than the person they want. Uh, they make a bad decision in their evaluation and go, ooh, geez, this kid isn't quite as good as I thought. They're, you know, they were, I saw them on one day, they were fantastic that day, but I should've got a bigger sample size. You know, I think all those things are, 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 are poor decision-making and ultimately, you know, nobody wants to live with their poor decisions, but if you know you might have to, you're gonna do more homework. You're gonna work harder in your research and you're gonna be a lot more diligent in your processes and checking to make sure that the uh that the student is indeed a good student the student uh, acts in ways that are good and representative of your program and i think clear through a lot of the stuff that we're seeing right now about some really sketchy behavior uh and questionable practices in a whole host of areas so you know the ethics can cut in a lot of different fashions and there's no one it, it, the whole system isn't unethical but there's enough examples, more than enough examples, where you can point, and go, you know what? If that person would have waited a little longer, you wouldn't be having all these conversations because it right. would have worked right. out. Or, you know what? You should have you should have thought about that more, coach, because now the kid's signed and we got to deal with them. What are we going to do? Right. Um, it's, you know, coaches coaches have um, a lot of power in the process, and I think that's one of the pieces the article doesn't touch on as much as it might is um coaches know the system they know the system inside and out families don't families are like you know they're feeling pressure they're seeing the you know their teammates getting offers oh I got to commit right now I don't know a lot of eighth graders ninth graders honestly even the high school sophomores are like oh yes I, I know where I want to go to school you know <laughs> or what, what i want to do wanna... yeah 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 what do I want to do when I grow up i they don't know they have no idea but we're saying make a decision and we're leaning on them to make a decision it's not it's not, you know, we'd like to encourage you. It's like, hey, you got 48 hours to decide, or I'm going to somebody else, and they do it over and over and over. Right. Um, but they're doing it because it's survival. So, uh, and they know they can they can get out of it later.
1: So, okay, but and I, I have more questions, but I want to get to the meat of the article and, and really the three main points, just to have you. Um, uh, let me state them, and then you give me sort of the summarized version of of kind of where this will help the process. And the first thing that you mentioned, and you've already talked about it a little bit, point number one in the article is, or proposal number one, I guess we'll call it, eliminate all signing days.
0: Yes, and and eliminate all signing days, again, I think is there's a presumption by having a signing day that you must decide by that day um and there's a presumption from a signing day that everybody's ready at the same time to make a decision absolutely not the case you know you can't stretch this out in perpetuity obviously institutions have to make decisions about um who's going to enroll in a freshman class who's going to be on which teams coaches have to plan positionally and and you know practice planning and and you know depth charts and all those types of things but You know, the idea that this is the magic day by which everybody should know really doesn't align in any particular fashion with decision-making in any other environment that you can come across. Um, so, so why, why force everybody into this one particular window And, and even more so and this drifts into the second piece, which talks about allowing signed commitments to occur at any age. And that was the second piece of the proposal is, you know, For some people, signing in April of their senior year of high school is the right time to commit. For other people, signing and committing in their sophomore year of high school is the right time to commit. And to suggest that a one-size-fits-all will be best for every prospect, and if really we're about the student athletes and their experience and about prospects and their families and making sure that they're making good educational decisions it just doesn't make any sense to to ram everybody into this singular day for all ages. It it just, it's it's hard to understand how that would be a wise decision when in every other aspect of our educational process, whether it's the courses you take, the schools you attend, you know, we really do try to do things that are gonna be in the best interest of the student, but somehow this magical single day is the best interest of a particular (laughs) student. I just don't get it, so.
1: And, and so, just to review the that you just talked about, your second point allow signed commitments to occur at any age. Number one was eliminate all signing days. Number three is under this new deregulated system, if both parties, coach and the athlete, agree to part ways, they are free to do so.
0: Yeah, and that's that's really uh, nobody nobody wants to enter into a bad relationship. Okay, and so uh, that that third piece is premised on the fact that if you signed an agreement as a sophomore um, and and this goes to the idea that you could sign at any age, but let's say you're a sophomore in high school, you sign an agreement and for whatever reason, uh, both parties after signing the agreement say, you know, we think we made a mistake here. You know, the kid wants to go to another place. The coach is comfortable with that. You know, nobody should be held bound in that situation. I think where the challenge comes in and where a lot of the criticism in the system comes in is that, you know, people, again, are not are, are not straightforward in their dealing. So uh, let's say both parties sign an agreement for the sophomore, the sophomore as a prospect goes from a mid-major level to a high major level performer and now wants to break their deal with the institution. Um, you know what? What's the response the institutions should say? Well, you know, we invested in our recruitment in you. We passed on a whole host of other individuals. You knew full well what you were getting into. You loved the education. You loved the coaching staff. But now you think you're you're at an, another level. That's great. The penalty for you is going to be that you're going to have to give up your your transfer exception, your one time transfer exception. Like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to either sit if you're in a sport mm-hmm. that has to sit, or this is your one-time transfer exception. You're not gonna be able to transfer again without sitting. That's, that's really the penalty in there. The flip side is, you know, uh, for whatever reason, a coach gets cold feet. Uh, there's a coaching staff change. Uh, you know, we saw this, uh, you know, I'm reluctant to mention institutions, but it was a pretty high profile situation at UConn with a, a football student athlete who you know, is walking around his school wearing UConn gear uh, you know, for six months prior to the signing day. Uh, there's a coaching change there. And ultimately, uh, you know, after the new coach's name, the new coach says, oh, we still want you here. We're all committed until he calls two weeks later and says, you know what? I just changed my mind. Um, really unfortunate. You know, the, the kid is all about the institution, loves what it's about, wants to play for that school, did everything he was supposed to continue to be committed and the school, just pulls the plug because they can i think that situation is unfortunate and shouldn't be any more permissible than the other scenario mm-hmm. uh, in that case i would say the kid now has a choice the kid can go to that institution have his education paid for uh try to win his way on the team if the coach really doesn't want him on the team he's under no obligation uh to have to have him on the team but the kid should at least know that you know what if you want to get a degree from this institution under the terms that we agreed to or we're going to pay for your education they should have that opportunity. Or if you want to get a degree from a Division three institution where we don't, you know, we don't offer aid in your case for whatever reason, but um, you really wanted to get a degree from that school, you'll still have the opportunity to do that. I think all those things should be in play. Uh, otherwise, if you have doubts on either side of the equation, you shouldn't sign. You know, no more than you should uh, commit to get married, commit to buy a house, commit to buy a car, or make any other purchase if it's not what you want. Don't do it. Sure. Don't do it sure, sure. So,
1: okay. So you have three main points. The first thing I wanted to ask you is, what was the fourth idea or fourth proposal point that you ended up not putting in here? What if what would be the addition that you would make to
0: this uh, if if you could? Wow, uh, that's that's a great question, Dan. Um, I, I wish I could point to one. I mean, I. I so these I three, to... it's a
1: pretty tight. I mean, that's that is the package that you feel would uh, would work, and and that would be the thing that uh, that you know that at least at the basis solves a problem. And of course, there could be more detail under those three. But there wasn't. I guess my my question was was there something else that you thought mm, I'm gonna? I, I maybe this would be good. Maybe it would. Now nah, I'm just going to leave it out.
0: Yeah. um... You know i i really can't come up with any i mean at the end of the day it's it's a pretty simple proposal right. um and as, as you talk it through with people again it, it will be viewed by some as absolutely radical there will be some people who will be highly critical of it my comment back to them has been look we've we've tried this for 30 years and it hasn't worked what is your proposal to improve it and the proposals that come back are inevitably well move the signing date back or let people talk on you know uh rather than june 15th let them talk to people on july 1st that'll slow the process down and i'm always like really that'll slow the process down (laughs) Like, like so i guess i guess my question on this really comes to what's the fear like what are people afraid of and and really i'm trying to understand what the fear is if i'm a family I think I feel better about the world because now I know I've got security in a signed document that the education that's been promised to me is actually going to happen. And this is what it should be about is about education. It's not just about the team and the sport. So the education I've been promised is now really guaranteed. If God forbid my son or daughter has a career ending injury or a catastrophic injury, they're going to be able to get their degree. Um, that's a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. Everybody always says that's the case. Um, but prior to signing, that's, that's a different dynamic. So that's a good thing. Right. I think on the other side of the equation, what's the fear if I'm a coach? The fear is I'm going to make a mistake. Uh, and the fear of making mistake is what's going to put the brakes on. There's sure, going to sure. be more due diligence, more clarity, better questions, less need to feel like you've got a race to the finish line um, to try and get an answer uh, and put the pressure on. Now, will it slow it down completely? No. But if we move from an environment where we're offering eighth graders to, uh, let's say, freshmen, and f- people who were originally freshmen start getting offered as sophomores, and it cascades that way, we're a year better than we're ever going to be by saying, let's institute: uh, you can't possibly offer aid to anybody before, you know, July one of the senior year, or whatever the, the oh, offer mm-hmm. option is going to be, or July one after the end of the junior year, like you know exactly what's going to happen on that exact day. There's going to be a list of commitments is as, as high as the tallest building you can think of in every sport. And, and how's that going to happen? Well, obviously there was communication prior to that. There was, there was side communication that was indirect. Mm-hmm. And when you have indirect communication uh, inevitably it's like the telephone game. It's not as clear. It's not as tight. Right. You know, the, the amount of work coaches are doing right now. I had to laugh. Um, was talking with a coach, and and you know they had a, a prospect who is is below the age where you can call them uh, on campus for a visit, and right. they're like, right. well, they're at the hotel. We're not allowed to call them, so I have to call their high school coach to have the high school coach call the prospect <laughs> and tell the prospect call the coach because they want to change the plan for dinner. Right. That's the steps we're taking as we're going through a recruiting process. It's silly. Um, everybody knows it's silly, and yet. We, we, we make up these arbitrary imaginary things that are somehow going to keep the process pure. And instead it allows people who really shouldn't have much influence in the process to be highly influential. They become gatekeepers uh, rather than having direct communication between coach and prospect. And that's what I'd love to see eliminated. So, um, and I think this is the best way to do it.
1: Okay. Let me, Yeah, and certainly in a 30 or 45 minute podcast, we're not going to solve, you know, the entire uh problem with the recruiting process and i'm not pretending that we would or that uh you know my questions are the you know the the smartest and all-encompassing and and these three points get everything done but here's two I, you brought up something i think that was really good that i'd want to focus on that you know a lot of this does revolve around the coach and the actions right now that in the case for that you just mentioned they have to take these they have to take these uh, these steps with um, with you know calling the high school coach to call the hotel to change the plans for dinner and and you know it, it, a lot of that is ridiculous and coaches that are listening to this know all the it, you know crazy steps that they have to do to to make sure they're following the rules but also to adapt to the you know modern recruiting which is usually end up trying to have contact with kids or have them call you before the official time when when, uh, when, when all that can happen. And I guess, you know, the, the center of this is the coach who, and, and here's a situation that I could see happening as I'm as I'm listening to you and, and you know, the, the commitment signing at, at any age. Uh, the coach that, so, so now you can sign at any age and there is that hesitation, uh-oh, we're committed. There's no backing out. But then there's going to be that set of coaches that say, "Hey, you know what? I, I finished last in the conference the last two years. What do I have to lose? I'm gonna go and I'm gonna, you know, sign the eighth grader and two of those freshmen because they're both their brothers were stars and they're, you know, he's, you know, looking good right now and and so I'm gonna sign them. And so then the other coaches who were immediately they, they, before they were pressing the brakes, they look and say, "Oh shoot! Well now he's signing even earlier, so I got to do it now." So, in that scenario, you have... It, it probably, in one sense, as I'm thinking about it, it, opens up the market for any coach to be able to uh, to, you know, to to make that case and to, to take advantage of that rule. But does it then, with you know, so much as one coach following another and then everybody falls in suit, and that's how I think we got to this early recruiting issue that uh, coaches are trying to figure out and deal with, does it just... Does it, is it the same problem then if, if, you know, fast forward two or three years after a proposal like this would take place, is it the same, some of the same issues, but at least you're saying the parents had full knowledge, they were able to do it, and the coaches have to live with it, and so at least there is more, more maybe an ethical decision around it that all parties agreed to it?
0: Yeah, I, I think the fr- I think you've hit upon one piece of why this works is that everybody's now on the same page. And, and what you this is why people make contracts uh, in all sorts of ways, because there's no lack of clarity then at that point about, well, what did you really mean here when you said you were going to commit and offer me a full ride as an eighth grader to your institution? Like I've got it right here and right. It says, you know, room, board, books, tuition, cost of attendance stipend. I'm feeling pretty good. So that that does clean it up. And likewise, you know, on the if it's in the other direction, you know, the family can't go. Well, you never told me I, I was only getting a twenty-five percent. Right? I, th- I thought I was getting a hundred. Well, no, it's right here and writing. You get twenty-five right. percent grant aid. That's it. So, so it cleans that piece up. But really, a couple of things happen. One, the scenario you're describing certainly could exist. But when you say go and sign somebody, I think the the missing. Uh, Modifier is go and try to sign somebody sure Uh, again with the sophistication of communication out there in the world about coaches Who's on the hot seat dynamics that type of thing coach may want to go and try and sign the eighth grade phenom or take a chance on somebody Um, But I'm not necessarily convinced that the prospect will jump on board and say ooh, fantastic, you know, coach who is, you know, three and nine this year offered me a chance to be the starting quarterback seven years from now. I definitely want to sign that because I know who I'm going to play for. I like the institution. So I think you get some self-regulation from the family side of the equation. The second thing is that when there's institutional responsibility, and right now, there is there is no institutional responsibility in the system that we have, or or institutional involvement because it's all verbal, it's all you know coach to athlete with AAU coaches, other than operate within this really odd rule structure that we have. Uh, when you go down the hall to your compliance office and say, uh, you know, associate AD for compliance, I need a national letter of intent for the seventh grader over at. Um, you know, Sunny junior high school and uh, Sunny junior high school, you know, he's, he's really good. You know, he's lighting it up against the other seventh graders in the area. I want to offer a contract and, and that, that compliance AD goes, coach has two years left on his deal. I think I want to make sure that, you know, the AD or the deputy AD is in the loop on this. There's going to be some institutional breaks that go on this thing too. And they might go, you know what, I'm not sure that's the route we want to go at this point. We're not going to let yeah. you go and sign that person or offer that letter. So you're going to have other people, you know, people talk in the NCAA about institutional controls. This will put some institutional control into the process that will allow people to now go, oh, is this really the route we want to go? And right, we've done right, our due right. diligence. What do we know about this kid? What do we know about the family? Have we asked good questions? And even if you have, what can you really learn about the seventh grader? You know, right, like that's right, right. that's where the breaks come because you're going to have institutional involvement, institutional control, and families at the same time are going to go, ooh, I'm seeing what the what the media is saying. I'm seeing what the conversation is. I really like Coach So-and-so, but you know what? Why do we want to rush right now? You know, he's a seventh grader. Let's wait a little bit and see how this plays out. I think that's how sure. this gets regulated very quickly.
1: You know what I, I think is the other interesting aspect of this, Michael, is I'm envisioning the coach that, you know, that has or the program that has two uh, high school freshmen signed and a high school sophomore and, uh, and maybe, maybe even an eighth grader because that coach and that institution said, yeah, let's roll the dice, we're just gonna sign these. The coach gets fired or takes another job. There's the job opening. And now you have that new coach that's being interviewed, I think now looks and says, what are your commitments? Oh, wait, oh, you, have, yeah. you have two freshmen and a sophomore in high school and an eighth grader signed. Do I really want to – I mean, you're bound now, and I think this is where the good part is for the family. You can't have a coach come in and take away the scholarship or change the mind and uh, and and all of that. And, but it does – I think it would affect coaches. They would have to evaluate jobs differently to say, I'm on my way up, I'm climbing the ladder – I have to evaluate who these kids are now, and do I really want to take over that program? because in four years, I may have people that, in my system, are going to be totally wrong for uh, for what I want to do with the program. So that could be that could be very, very interesting.
0: yeah, and I think from that perspective, um, there is an aspect where you know' we'll, there will be institutions that go, you know what? we're just going to we're going to sign whoever we get. You know, the insti- again, I go back to the phrase of institutional control. It's one of the, the hallmarks of NCAA compliance. And, you know, we've created a system right now where the reality is, um, you know, we have everybody from a compliance standpoint as it relates to signing dates and contacts and visits and all those types of things operating within the letter of the law, there isn't there aren't too many people who are operating within the spirit of the law um and really if the spirit of the law which is what if you go back and think about you know the conversation and the question you asked earlier about how did these dates come about and you know i speculated but my hunch is it's probably somewhere on the mark is the recruiting environment was very very different 30 40 years ago because it's evolved we need to evolve as well and that evolution involves a lot more transparency, a lot more clarity, a lot more things in writing. So rather than making up these convoluted manners in which we go around and try and figure out ways to communicate, let people talk. Right. Like, like, what's so bad about having an educated conversation and say, hey, you know, look, uh, you know, freshman prospect, think you're great, really good person. You know, we're not ready to decide yet. We're glad you're thinking about our institution. Let's keep that conversation going you know, let's keep talking in the coming months. Let's see how your seasons develop. You know, you can see how we develop as a program as well. Let's see if this is really, truly a good fit as opposed to, you know, what's happening now, which is, oh, we just got to sign up as many uh, people as fast as we possibly can. Right. Uh, right. And, and, and over commit uh, because we know that, you know, one kid's going to not be honest in the process and bail out. One kid's going to get hurt and we want to go in a different direction and somebody else would just won't make it for whatever reason. So, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so that, that's really the thought process behind it.
1: And for people who want to really dive into the meat of the proposals, because you add a lot more to in the article and you provide some reference links and things that are really helpful just to give the whole thing context. And that is posted for those of you listening at ultimateinsider, ultimate, ultimate com. Sorry, ultimate com. So I want to end the conversation this way, Michael. And I, first of all, I appreciate you putting yourself out there as, as somebody with an idea, because sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. And I love the movie Jerry Maguire. And, of course, he had his manifesto at the beginning of the movie that was passionate and right and ended up he was proven right at the end. But he kind of, you know, that the whole movie was about the process of him uh, becoming full circle about what, what that sports agency industry should, uh, should really be. Um. So yes, I did just equate you with Tom Cruise. If that sets you off uh, for the rest of the day to uh, to feel good about yourself, I think but the only guess... way I'm
0: better than Tom Cruise is that I'm taller than him. Other than that, <laughs> I probably fall short in a lot of areas. But... <laughs> um. So
1: I guess I want to end it with with this is because you're in Division One Athletic Administration right now. And this has generated a good degree of conversation, and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and going into a little more detail and and explaining some of your ideas. But I guess my my end question is, what has the reaction been? Do enough of your peers see this as possibly being a solution worth considering? uh, Or do they have some of the same, hey, wait a minute, but what if, and and, the hesitations uh, that, that some, some other people, other coaches maybe have expressed. What, what, what is the general temperature and attitude to this within athletic administration that you've heard?
0: Well, the, the primary conversations I've had around this have been with coaches. Uh, I have had some conversations with administrators, and it's interesting. Um, I think at a minimum, it is, it is thought-provoking, and I'm, I'm glad that's the case. Um, if you get into the nuts and bolts and look, we've spent probably 40 minutes on this topic already, uh, and the, and the Twitter exchanges I've had with some people have been lengthy, you know, the, the reality is that it's, it's not a topic where you go, oh, of course, but, you know, I keep going back to the question of here's an idea. Um, let's, you know, we can debate it on its merits, which is great. Uh, but if you don't like it, what solution do you have that gets at the heart of what everybody's talking about, which is the early commitments are a problem. Uh, the behavior is a problem. Uh, the ethics that surround recruiting are a problem. The workarounds are silly and ridiculous. Our coaches are on the road 365 days a year, except for some very minor and narrow dead periods, uh, ironically, around the signing date in many cases. like. Like, everybody's saying the same thing, which is the system is broken. What's the method to fix it? Uh, and, and you said the manifesto from Jerry Maguire. I'm going to give you a different movie reference, and it's the movie Serendipity. I like John Cusack quite a bit. Uh, and for those who have seen the the movie, uh, there's, a, there's a, a philosopher, a Greek philosopher, that's referenced in there a couple times. And the Greek philosopher is the philosopher Epictetus. Uh, it's E-P-I-C-T-E-T-U-S, for those who uh, want to look him up. Uh, and Epictetus has a, a quote that I love and I use somewhat regularly. And the quote is simply this. If you want to improve, be content to be thought of as foolish and stupid. Uh, and I think there's probably people who will look at this idea and go, that is foolish and stupid. Uh, and my response back is that if we want to improve, we need to get to the stage where we're going to look at things differently rather than just playing around the edges because playing around the edges has led us to the current state. And we need to go in a different direction that's responsive to a whole host of factors that never existed in the recruiting environment when the system was created. So um, so that's my thoughts. I don't know if that's a manifesto, but I'm going with serendipity and John Cusack over uh, Jerry Maguire and uh, Tom Cruise.
1: All right, Coach, there you go. You've got the arguments for, you have the arguments against. And I'm curious now what your thoughts are about this whole topic. And I want to thank Michael Cross for presenting his ideas. Go to Twitter right now, tag at DanTutor, and tell me and the rest of the coaches what you think. We'd love to hear your comments. Thanks for listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We'll be back at you with another episode here in the next few days. Enjoy it, Coach, and have a great week.